All right, welcome to the Mac and Fish podcast. Uh, I'm Coach McKinley Roll. I'm here with my co-host, Charles Fishbine, better known as Fish. Fish, what's going on? What's up? Hey, today we have our, our other guest uh, when we do our roundup, uh, Corey Long. Corey, what's going on? I'm good. How you guys doing? All right, all right. Well, we're going to hit a couple uh, co- couple different college football programs. Uh, first, let's go uh, to the Big 12. Um, big upset with uh, Oklahoma going down to Iowa State and uh, TCU beating Texas. You know, um, Corey, uh, give me your thoughts on kind of the Big 12 right now. Well, I mean, we saw the end of their playoff hopes uh, dash uh, in week three, week two or week five, depending on when you think football really begin, began this year. But uh, uh, Oklahoma, two losses. They, they started 0-2 in the conference for the – I think the first time since before Stoops got there, I think 98, which would have been John Blake's last season. Um, you know, it just – this is a this is going to be an off year for them. They, they they they're still having defensive issues, and they don't have the trigger man. Like Spencer Rattler is not, you know, he's not what Baker was. He's not what Kyler was. He's not what um, Jalen Hurts was. Like he's not those guys. You know, he might develop into those guys, but he's not there yet. So they're just you know they're 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 gonna they're they're gonna I think they're gonna be a fine team. They're gonna probably end up with seven eight wins, but. You know they're not they're not a playoff team this year. Yeah, how about you, Fish? I just this shows you that the last couple of years Oklahoma's had a lot of experience at the quarterback position, from Baker uh, to you know the guys they've had the last couple of years, all the way to Jalen Hurts and um, the quarterback with the Arizona Cardinals right now. You know they've had a lot of experience. Now they go and the fans are experienced what a lot of fans are. You, you lose these guys that are upperclassmen. You bring in basically a freshman quarterback that really hasn't played a whole lot and you're going to have growing pains. You know, I, I did talk to Corey about this a little bit off a of record is with um, Spencer Rattler. I, I'm not going to lie. I, I saw the show QB one and, and I, I had some concerns with this kid and how immature he was. I believe he got suspended at his uh, high school. And, you know, I don't know the kid personally, but it didn't seem like he was the typical quarterback that Lincoln's had. He's had a lot of experienced guys, whether he was at East Carolina um, and then at Oklahoma, every guy he's had has had experience. So getting in a position where you're in these tighter games, you're relying on a young guy to make plays and the one last play and Corey and I talked about this the other night is Spencer had the team. They were, you know, he always talks about, you can't go broke, taking a profit. Oklahoma was moving the ball in the final drive and he got greedy. He threw the ball in a double coverage down the field. And, you know, even though the wide receiver was getting held, it was a bad play. And if he, if he had just taken the team down the field, they probably would have won the game. Uh, but I personally, I think he's a guy that's going to be a stopgap until Caleb Williams, a five-star quarterback that comes in this year. I just think he's a very immature kid. And, and we've seen at some of those schools locally that when you have these guys that have talent, but they they're immature and they do things that are stupid on and off the field. How many games are you going to win with those guys? How many games can you rely on somebody like that? So that's, you know, my biggest concerns. And, you know, Oklahoma, their fans and everybody have not experienced this 
uh, probably in over 10 years, a, a team that's probably on the younger side of what they're used to. But the one thing they've always had, even with Lincoln Riley, they've always had great running games. And I looked at the stats. They had two guys that have 23 you know, carries between the two of them, and they didn't even reach 100 yards. And for Oklahoma's offense to work, you got to be able to run the ball, especially with a young quarterback. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Um, one thing I didn't hear any of you guys talk about was the defense, right? You know, they, they've, had, they've been yeah. bad defensively for a while. Yeah, yeah, that's that's why they brought in Grinch, Coach Grinch, right? right? So he was supposed to be the next hot thing as a coach, which he's a very good coach. I'm not trying to underestimate him. But I, I just don't think in the Big 12 they really focus on defensive football. And until that happens, they, Oklahoma, Texas, the rest of the – they would never be what they could be, right? Because yeah. defense is not a focus for them. And I, I think it really came down to that. I, I don't think it was really Rattler's fault, Fish. I, I agree with you and your take, and you too, Corey. But I just feel like the defense obviously put Iowa State in a position, you know, to, to, to get there. And um, – and I think Rattler's a young player. He's inexperienced. The team, like you said, is, is very young. Oklahoma's going to go through it. And it's just part of it, right? You can't, you can't always have seniors and NFL talent every year. So, you know, they'll, they'll, get, they'll bounce back. They have a lot of talent in that program and a, and a good coaching staff. Yep. I, I mean, I noticed it two years ago when I went to the Orange Bowl game and saw them play Oklahoma. Defensively, they don't have those Tommy Harris types. They don't have – uh, the D tackle that played with the Bucks, uh, McCoy, uh, those big time five star D linemen aren't going to Oklahoma. And uh, you know their best player, even though he was a five star corner, the Bradley Hines kid. I I, I don't think that kid's five seven, five eight. So when you stick these guys that are six four on him, he has no chance. I don't care how good he may be able to cover the slot. You put him on a slot receiver, but they don't have those guys that look like. Uh, national championship caliber players on the defense. So I do think Greenwich is a very good coach. Uh, he did a great job at Washington State. He was very good at Ohio State. But you need players. We've talked about this over and over that so many fans like to bring up scheme, scheme, scheme. Let's out-coach these guys. If the guys on the other side are better than what you have, there's not a scheme to fix that. You can get through it maybe one or two games a year, but you can't scheme 12 games. Yeah. When people see your flaws and they can exploit those flaws with their talent, it, they're going to exploit it no matter how good of a coach you are. Yeah, and, and they've been getting whipped on the line for years. I mean, you can go back to the Rose Bowl against Georgia. I mean, Georgia's running backs had about 400 yards on 20 carries. I mean, they were just – every time they were getting the ball, Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb were busting off 50-yard runs. We can go to the LSU game last year. They were getting – their defensive line was getting thrown off the ball five yards on every snap. They're just not a good group. And, and you know, I was going to talk about all that. Wait till we get to Texas. Because, Texas to me, Oklahoma is bad. Texas is embarrassing, though. Yeah. Like, I, I, Oklahoma I at least has figured out how to win some games. Texas, they, put, they have put themselves in such a hole of mediocrity because they refuse to – go outside of their little comfort zone when it comes to recruiting, despite having all these resources, all this money, everything you could want, they can, anything they need, they can get. 
But, you know, when I, when I go, when I look on the boards, when I look at the top defensive linemen, look at a kid like Corey Foreman out of California, the number one player in the world. Is Texas in his top five? No. When I look at a kid like Darren Payne who committed to Alabama, a kid who plays in Michigan, committed to Bama, was Texas one of his final five schools? No. The guys down where you guys are at, James Williams, Leonard Taylor, both going to Miami. Did Texas even try to recruit these guys? And the bottom line is they should be a factor. I'm not saying they're going to sign every top defensive player in the game. They should be a factor for every top national defensive player. Because if, say, they get two of those guys, say they ended up getting James Williams and Corey Foreman on their team next year, they're going to be so markedly better. Like if they just had real legitimate studs on their defensive and their front seven, they, no one would beat them because they don't like that. People always talk about Ellinger. He's good enough for them to win. Like they're scoring 63 points or they're giving up 56 and they can, they let Max Duggan uh, like Max Duggan is not beating you. If you have a good defensive line. No, no, you're right. You're right. I think uh, with Texas is the same thing. And like you said, it's probably even two times worse. Um, they haven't really been good in defensively probably since man, uh, Coach Diaz was there. Um, and I, I mean, that's been years. I just, I feel like with Texas, they always kind of, they want to get their kids in state and they, they don't really want to branch out of the state. And it seems like Texas, you know, football is just not producing the, the caliber of player it used to. Um I mean, Fish, you may have a different uh, take on that. Uh, you know, I've discussed this another subject with Corey, and, and it's one of those things that it's kind of frustrating because, you know, they're one of those, you know, programs that has a lot of tradition, and, and you always hear about how great they've been for 100 years. I mean, I always remember you go all the way back uh, to Earl Campbell, and, and they've had Cedric Benson, and they've had Ricky Williams. They've had all these great running backs. I look at their roster – this state's supposed to produce all these running backs. Where's the, when's the last great running back they've had? Uh, I mean, it's probably been 10 years. I mean, they don't have an identity. Like They used to be able to just pound the rock. They've had good quarterbacks. Uh, they ha- But how many great receivers have they produced? I, I don't think too many of them. Uh, and it, the problem, the biggest problem Texas has, and Corey and I have discussed this a million times, they are so afraid to go out and compete with the top schools for top players. Sure. When they're a premier program, there's no reason they should not be able to compete with Alabama and Ohio State. I mean, Ohio State's going in Texas and landing better players. Mm-hmm. I mean, what does that tell you? They go down there and they're stealing their best players. But why isn't Justin Fields uh, type quarterbacks or, or Trevor Lawrence's? They're not in these kids. They're not in the picture with these guys. They're not even – Get, getting them on campus. How how are they not in a top five of getting them on campus and being in the picture at a program like this? There's no excuse. And and it, I don't blame as much. I know a lot of people want to put all the blame on Herman. It's, it's the people that are close to that program that have suffocated it for years and said, oh, you can only recruit Texas players to University of Texas. It's this arrogance. And that arrogance, how many coaches do they got to fire before they figure this out. Yeah, no, you're, you're, you're right. Now you're right. And, and Herman seemed like he's going down that route. You know, I'm sure a lot of those, those big money guys and the people close to the program weren't happy that they lost to TCU. I, and they were, they struggled against Texas tech. 
Well, the bottom line, let's be honest. If they fire Tom Herman, they're going to pay $12 million, $15 million, whatever the annual cost is to get Urban Meyer. And Urban, ain't gonna, Urban is going to tell them how to run a football program. They're not going to tell him a damn thing. And when Urban gets there, he's going to go in there and he's going to recruit every – Every, every, every pit bull he can find in any state. If the best player is in North Dakota, he's going to send his whole staff to North Dakota to go get them. So, so, so this is a Corey Long take tonight. Uh, you're saying Urban Meyer will be the next head football coach at University yeah, of Texas. I don't, I, yeah, I don't know where else they go. If, if Tom Herman can't get the job done, if they don't think he's the job done, where are they going to go? I mean, what are they – you know, I think they're going to have to – if they decide they really – want to win a national championship you go out there and you get really i think the biggest hired gun to do that urban meyer wins national titles i'm not saying he always does it the way that the way that you know god intended you to do it but he gets it done listen vince lombardi and bill walsh are dead so they they (laughs) exactly they got the only options so and but and that but you know what it's it it probably in a, in, a, in a long-term sense, it would be a good thing because they would need a coach with that level of credibility that these big money guys aren't going to tell him what to do. They're not going to tell him what players to go after. Yeah, you no know, doubt. He's going to be like, hey, if you want to win a national title, we're going to follow my plan, not yours. But, Corey, they that's were... what they need. Like, if Tom, like, here's my point. If Tom Herman was assertive enough, he's going he's gonna to completely transform his staff. He's going to say – you know what? I need to go out there and get the best players I can out of Florida. So I'm a hire Jawan Cedar. I'm a double his pay. I need to go have somebody on the West Coast. So I'm a hire a guy that can get me the kids on the West Coast. I need somebody that can get me a kid out of the Beltway. You know, I need but, somebody to get me a but, kid. But Corey, just that like we talked about, that's not changing. This is what Fish talked about. Yeah, they, I understand been, it's not. But, and that, but that's why I say the next guy that they hire. He's gonna he's gonna create the plan. He's gonna tell them how it's done. And not, they've they've always wanted to hire guys that follow along with their plan. And when somebody went a little outside of it, like Charlie, remember he tried to bring in four or five Florida kids, and he didn't bring in the right kids. At least not a few of them, like Cecil Cherry, who was a bus. He didn't bring in a couple. Kids. Most of them started and were productive. Yeah, most of them played. Like Cecil was one that kind of got a lot of notoriety, and he was just a. You know, he just w- went off the grid. But the problem was that Charlie didn't win. And instead of them just thinking, okay, he just didn't win because the team wasn't good, it was like, well, his plan wasn't good. So Tom mm-hmm. Herman, the worst thing that could happen to Tom Herman was winning that Sugar Bowl because it made him think that what they were doing was working. True. That's true. That's a good point. So I, don't, I don't know. Like, one last take on it. Listen, they still recruit like it's 1970. Like, and they <laughs> – They've got not nah, like they think like Texas football is. Uh, yeah. Listen, man, I, yeah. I know I'm gonna offend some Texas high school coaches and this and that. Like, come down to Florida and tell me the talent ain't better down here. All right, enough, enough of this, man. Go, go outside your region. No, you're right. The the talent is uh, better here in Florida, but the coaching is way better in Texas because they yeah. care about football. That, There's a lot of great talent in Texas, but. They don't hit those – like, Texas is not good at recruiting Houston. Yeah. And Houston is where the talent is in Texas right now. Yep. yep. And they don't recruit Houston well. Yeah, they but don't they don't – Dallas well, but they don't recruit Houston well. That makes sense to me. 
but they should also be able to recruit Louisiana. It's right down. It's not yes, that far, yeah. and they don't recruit Louisiana very well. So, but, but remember, back in the day when Mac was there, I mean, they were they, they were they were very close to um, Landon Perilou and Early Doucette and a lot of those guys. So, they I mean, ended up signing Case McCoy and the other guy's brother too. Like they just, I don't know. Yeah, but Vince was from Houston, I believe. So that yes, was the best was. players. Yep, yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. no doubt. Well, let's let's hop into the SEC, fellas. Um, right now, you're seeing the SEC shape up uh, to a competitive uh, East division. The SEC West is over. It's done. Just so yeah. You know. Well, we, we we've known that. We've known that. But <laughs> but the East is definitely, I, I think, is a pretty toss up. To me, Georgia's the best team that I saw so far this year. Um, I don't know what you guys' takes on that is, but I think Georgia just has a complete team. You know, they play very good defense. They can run the ball. They got talent at receiver. They got talent up front. The quarterback is, you know, he, he was mad. You know, he managed the game well. Um, but I really like that Georgia team and, the, you know, how they play. Uh, you know, I, I want to see what you guys think about um, Georgia and, and the SC, uh, SC East. I'll take it first. I mean, listen, you know, fans, we've heard it on some of the uh, message boards we go on. Hey, you know, rankings are overrated. Well, uh, I think Georgia's won like five of the last six, you know, championships on National Signing Day. There's a reason why they don't fall off. Yeah. You know, there's a reason why they they take Alabama, I mean Auburn, and beat them 26 to six at home. Yep. Six. Yeah. You look at Zaquandre White. I remember watching this kid's highlight film. He was probably the best running back in the country. We we're and go, you know. We're talking about Texas. Why isn't Texas recruiting someone like that? White's a great running back. They got other great running backs. They got George Pickens, who's one of the top young receivers in the country. And defensively, and they say defense wins championships, they got probably the best defense in the country, period. They got guys up front. They're good at linebacker. Their guys can cover. And their secondary is, is elite. Yep. And they've got well, outside of Nick Saban, they got one of the best defensive minds in the country in Kirby Smart. So as long as they, the one thing about Georgia is they give themselves a chance because they're not going to get blown out. Their defense is going to keep them every game. They can control the ball with their offense and their running game. And if they ever, ever find a quarterback, you can just <laughs> guarantee that they win a national championship because they got all the parts. I agree. I agree. How about you, Corey? I've never – I mean, I think I've never seen a team do more with mediocre talent. That's no offense to Jake Fromm, who I love. And the Stetson Bennett kid seems like he's doing as good a job as he can. But, you know, these aren't elite kids at quarterback. But they're so good in the trenches. They're so good on both sides of the line. They physically – you know, they got up on or- an Auburn 17 to nothing. And, he- and you knew the game was over. You knew Auburn just had nothing for them. They weren't going to get – they couldn't keep them off the quarterback. They couldn't stop the run game. Whenever they need to convert a third down, they did. Um, I'm going to say this, though. The SEC East, normally we look at the west side. I think Alabama is going to run through the west. I just don't see anybody that can hang with them. The SEC East, to me, is super competitive, super interesting, because Georgia and Florida, I think, are clearly – a notch above everybody else, but Tennessee, they're playing well. They're two and zero. They get Georgia this week. I think that's going to be a good game. I looked at, we've all watched the Florida South Carolina game because we were texting during it. 
they're not a great team, but they're capable. They've got the athletes, and they're capable of pulling an upset at some point this year. Kentucky is zero and two, but I think they're capable of pulling an upset. Like they've got, there's a lot. There's a lot of teams in that division that I think can give Florida and Georgia problems. Uh, you know, just on a one week basis, just because they can catch them on a bad week. You know, catch them on one of those sleepy Saturday noon games. So yeah. it's it's going to be interesting to see how Georgia and Florida navigate through this and, and where Tennessee lands up. If Tennessee's a real deal, I mean, I don't have to beat Georgia to let me know they're real, but if they can play them tight, you know, I think Jeremy Pruitt's got that program really going in the right direction, like legitimately going in, even though Garantano is still – I don't know how he's still the quarterback. I don't know how you can give a guy six or seven years and still be the quarterback of a team, but – um, you know, I still they've they've got everything else going the right direction. Yeah, I, you know, watching Tennessee, you bring up Jared Tana. I remember seeing him at high school. Uh, you know, at one of the Rutgers camps, he's the one guy that you hold your you hold your nose and hold your breath every time he steps back to throw. He really is just one of the. I mean, if Tennessee had an even above average quarterback right now, I really think they'd have a shot in the East. I think he's that Pruitt's improved that roster top to bottom. They're they're a lot better up front on the whole line. They can run the ball. They got some decent receivers, but deep, the one spot with them is that quarterback position. And you don't know when this guy's going to blow up. I mean, that's the problem is going into these big games. Can Jared Tano will lose them a game before he ever wins them a game. And that's the thing is he's, he's almost like a bad version of Chris Ritz. You know, you just hope that this kid – keeps it all together in those games and, and Pruitt's able to pull out some of these wins, but um, they're definitely a team that's uh, improving and they did it at the end of last year. You saw it coming. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, the SEC East is so competitive. I mean, you look at Florida, I, I like Florida's team too. I just don't think that right now they're, they're ready for Georgia or Tennessee. Uh, in my opinion, I, I just, I don't, I love, I like what trash is doing. I like what they do offensively. Uh, running backs look pretty tough. O line, they look pretty good. But that defense, for some reason, it, it's it's very shaky to me, and it's not consistent. It's, it, and I think I was talking to you, Fish. Uh, this is probably one of the worst UF defenses that I've ever seen growing up. Because traditionally, UF is very talented up front, fast linebackers, and very aggressive defensive backs that can cover. Yeah, and I, I just see that. Yeah, I think defensively, and we talked about it. This is going to be a process this year. Yeah. I, I do think they have talented players on that side of the ball, but they haven't come together. Their defense is a big concern. I, I like Trask, but I think Trask is one of those quarterbacks that can have an off day. They don't have a great running game. You look at them this weekend, 24 rushes, 80 yards. They don't have a guy if Trask is stug, struggling to just hand the ball you know, 30 times and go, all right, we're going to grind out a win. So if they play – some of these other teams that do have the ability to run the ball, keep it away from their offense, limit their touches, they can lose a game. I'm not saying they will, but I think they can because of that. They Their defense is going to cost them a game this year too. But I definitely think not having a, an elite running game this year is going to hurt them. And let's be honest. I mean, if, if Will Muschamp and South Carolina had any – semblance of clock management that game could have been a lot more interesting saturday i mean they were they were you know they 
they had the slowest possible fourth quarter drive. I thought they were trying to. I thought I thought they actually thought they had a fourteen point lead the way they were managing the clock. And uh, but you know if they scored, if they scored, you know and got the onside, they would have got within a touchdown. So yeah. you know the, the defense, the offense, if it goes through an area where you know it's just not striking, you know their defense can definitely leave them susceptible to an upset. But uh, I, I think the East. The SEC East is really interesting because, you know, there are those teams, there are those, you know, the 0-2 teams, uh, South Carolina and Kentucky, that I think can pull off the upset. They're capable oh, no of pulling off the upset that really make, you know, a lot of those games. You know, Georgia's got – they still got Alabama to play, believe it or not. I mean, they got, they've got a crazy schedule to go through. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a, lot, there's a lot left to be determined. I definitely – I think just cutting in real quick, I think this is one of the years that – you may have a two-loss team in the playoffs, possibly even a three-loss, because it's just so many teams having to play in conference games, and you don't know with the coronavirus if a team's going to have 12 starters out one week. It just there's so much that's going to go into this season. You got to just hope to stay healthy and keep your top players on uh, off the sideline. So the SEC is going to be a good, uh, fun ride this year. I, I think it's where the championship's going to be won. And we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm being inter- interested in watching. Uh, you know, Ohio State and what they what they look like. Um, you know, I I definitely agree with you that somebody from the SEC is coming out of there. Maybe two teams, um, but we'll see. Um, you know, Clemson looks good. Uh, you know, Alabama looks like Alabama, but you know, and Georgia is Georgia. So I, I I like to see what Ohio State and USC when they start playing how they're going to look like. Um, let's go to, uh, some of the other Florida schools touch on uh, UCF and, uh, you know, Florida state. <laughs> well, I was, I was at UCF last night. I was covering it for the associated press. Uh, they got a Tulsa problem, man. You got to think they, they had a 21 game home win streak. Tulsa snaps it last night. The last team to beat them at home was Tulsa. They lost to Tulsa at the end of last season. Tulsa's won. And in their last five games Tulsa's played, they've got two victories against UCF. But, you know, beyond that, what I saw was you start to see the deficiencies of, 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 of Josh Heupel and maybe that coaching staff a little bit. All the pre-snap penalties. They've had 19 false start penalties in the last two games. And, you know, when you're a team that plays with so much tempo and pace and rhythm – those are killers. I mean, and, you know, they're good enough that they can get it, you know, get into second longs and third longs and convert them. But eventually that stuff costs you a game. And it cost them one last night, a game that they were up by 18 in. They made some mistakes on offense and stopped some drives, a turnover on special teams. Uh, you know, they just, they, they started giving up big, you know, and as the game went on, they gave up plays and, Tulsa got confidence and, and, and snuck out with one. Well, that, I mean, at UCF, uh, let's, let's touch on that. Number one, you're not going to beat any team if you commit 18 penalties, which they had, and they also had three turnovers, mm-hmm. right? So that's a recipe for disaster, and they had no business losing that game. But again, like you said, Tulsa plays them tough. Uh, they're not scared of UCF. Um and just a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about UCF possibly being one of the better teams in Florida. Uh, I guess, you know, we have to rethink that. But 
Uh, I, again, you can't you can't be a very good football team if you if you commit that many penalties and that many turnovers. Those those are recipes for losses. Fish, what, what are your thoughts? Well, their whole offense relies on rhythm, and you get a 10, 15 yard penalty. We talked about it. It's hard for college kids to keep the, if you're behind the sticks to make play after play. You know, 18 penalties for 124 yards. That is a lot of yardage. Uh, they're giving up. I'm sure a lot of those penalties, too, were on plays they had positive yards that brought the ball back. So if they could clean that up, they are one of the more tough teams. I think the one thing that has disappointed me a little bit watching them this year is that I think sometimes they go away from running the ball. And I, I think they got a very good backfield. You know, it's, it's great that you could throw it, but sometimes you need to give your defense a rest you know, have a, a little bit of a sustained drive so you could get the, some rhythm going. You don't need a score on ever. It's nice to score in two or three plays, but what happens is if you don't score on two or three plays and then you have to punt the ball, your D offense gets out of rhythm and you wear your defense out. And I think that probably would happen the other night. They probably wore their defense out from so many short possessions. And yeah. you know, they've got a very good backfield. If you look at their running backs uh, from Otis Anderson to the McCray kid, they got two guys there. The Thompson, they got two or three running backs that could get the job done. They they need to give them more carries. They should be uh, probably up to close to 40 carries a game with how many plays they run. It they probably run close to 90 plays. So if you have a 50-40 balance, you're going to probably win a game instead of lose it like they did. Yeah, and, and you know, like you guys talked about, right? With that tempo and. The, it, that, a three and out could go very quickly, right? You, maybe not even a minute goes off the clock and you put your defense right in, in another position that's, uh, that's not advantageous for them. So, um, you know, Corey, I know you covered the game. What did you see as far as, um, you know, maybe any kind of adjustments were made or weren't made? Or, um, you know, what did you see as far as what told the story besides the turnovers and the penalties? Well, I think there were... There was there was a period there. I think you know there's two really there's two elements of a game that can flip a game. It's how you end the first half and how you start the second half. Uh, UCF gets a touchdown with about 90 seconds left, and they took a 23 to five lead. Tulsa came back down at a 40 second drive. I think it was four plays, 88 yards. They made it 23 to 12 at the half. Johnny Richardson fumbles the opening kickoff to the second half. Uh, Tulsa gets the ball in plus territory, one play drive touchdown. Now all of a sudden it's 23 to 19. It's basically an even game at that point. So you look at you in essence are looking at about a one minute span of game time to where a game went from being a blowout to being even. And, and a couple of things, Dylan Gabriel, I think is a good quarterback. I think he's got a lot of potential. There is not a throw on the field that he sees that he doesn't think he can make. Mm -hmm. Triple coverage over the top, he's throwing it. Tight windows and double coverage, he's throwing I think they've got to give him easier passes. The one thing UCF used to do that I loved was they used to be able to get their backs in space and get them the ball quickly. They're not doing that anymore. Everything is hard. They're, they're, everything is just – high-risk throws, outside receivers, high-risk throws over the middle of the field. I think they've got to – I think they've got to open up the offense a little bit more, spread it out, give him some more easier options, and convince him to take those options because 
he takes a lot of risks in the passing game. Mm-hmm. Well, let's uh, let's hop over to uh, Florida State. No. <laughs> yeah, let's hop over to Florida State. You know, uh, played a FCS team and uh, favored by twenty eight. Uh, you know, let's let's go, Corey. Uh, you started off and. And then uh, we'll go to fish, and then I, you know, I, I'll uh, I'll touch on it. Well, they won. I mean, that's a bright. That's a that's a <laughs> that's a positive, isn't it? Climbing. Um, I'll say this: uh, they they were they 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 won. I'm not gonna say they won in spite of themselves, but I am gonna say that they 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 put in Jordan Travis at quarterback, and they did, and they would have lost had they not. Uh, Tate Rodemaker is not ready to play college football right now. I, I honestly would not put him out again on the field this season. I would, you know, they've got a little bit of film on him. I think he needs to grow physically. He needs to grow mentally and he needs to gain the confidence from, you know, being successful in practice and going through reps and just kind of understanding the speed of the game. He's not ready to play. So what, Against their like they they found themselves with really the quarterback who I think is the best quarterback for them right now. He's the one that gives them the best chance to have a functional offense, and he also has a little bit of experience and proof at doing it at this level. Mm-hmm. I don't think it'll help them. I mean, I look at them and I still think they're a two three win team maximum, but at least Travis gives them a little bit of a bridge. Um, maybe gives them the chance to develop an offense that can get into the end zone a little bit and make other and, and you know and, and and give them some more some more clarity as offensive coaches to know what works and what kind of athletes we need to improve upon this. Mm-hmm. Fish, you know, I originally thought they should have gone with Travis, and it's not. I'm not trying to double, you know, like you know, throw stuff towards the coaches or whatever. I just felt like they didn't need to go to Blackman because I didn't think Blackman was good anymore. And and I'm going to ask you guys this question. Is Jordan Travis just one of those guys that, you know, practice isn't really set up for him to be really successful. You have a green jersey on him. His strength is running it. You know, you're not going to – you can't really put pressure on him, so you're not going to see what he can do moving around the pocket. Does – is he just one of those guys that doesn't look good in practice and he's just better in games because it's actually live? I don't, I, I just don't know what the answer is because how could you, how does he just seem to always play better when he gets in there than all the other guys they've thrown out there the last two years? Yeah, I'll take this Corey. I I don't think that's the case at all. I think, you know, how a guy practices is how he's going to play in a game. Um, I just think the kid is just, like you said before, his strengths are probably more improvising and using his legs. And um, he's also not afraid to put it down the field. Um, and I just think Rodemaker just w- was inexperienced. That was the first snap. Uh, he's a true freshman um, playing on a big stage. And I just think Travis is, he's just a different athlete. He gives the offense so much more and what they need to kind of get going. But um, I don't, you know, again, like you said, I, I don't think Blackman is the answer. I think that you, you should go with another quarterback and get them ready. Uh, and Fish, you and I talked about this. I just don't, I don't agree with the thought process of 
uh, switching out offensive linemen. Um, their offensive line was like a matador type of line. And it was just, it was not very good. And you're not, and again, remember, this was an FCS team, a team you were favored to beat by 28. That is not going to get it done next week against Notre Dame when they play Clemson and the future following weeks after that. It's just not going to be get, get it done. And, I, you know, the running game was better. You saw a little bit of tempo in the second half, and you saw things that Travis gave you and afforded you offensively that kind of gave you hope. But it's like my question is, you know, why wasn't why didn't Travis start the game? You may this may not even have been a game if Travis starts that game. What do you think, Corey? Yeah, I mean, Rodemaker threw a pick six, and I think it took a great effort from the tight end to keep him from throwing a second one. Uh, you know, I, coaches tend to they're they're all we're, they're all homers in their own way. You know, Jordan Travis was a kid they inherited. He wasn't a kid they brought in. Like. They brought in Rodemaker. That was their recruit. So I think, you know, a lot of that is just your own personal, I want I want to see how my guy does. And right now, like I said, I don't think their guy is ready. It's not a. It's not saying he won't ever be ready. I just don't – I think he needs a legitimate red shirt. Like he yeah. needs a year to watch, lift weights, grow, gain confidence. Yeah. Right now, I think their goal should be putting out a functional offense – trying to get points on the board. I think their defense is shot. I think their defense is going to get rolled on. But mm-hmm. offensively, if they can at least show that one side of the ball, you know, has some functionality that these guys have an idea of what they're doing, that can help them over the long run. You know, what Travis does is he helps your line. He helps your running backs. He gives you some different looks. I think you can get them out on the edge, and he might even be able to throw the ball a little. I don't think he's a long-term answer. I don't know that the long-term answer is on the, on the uh, roster at all, but I do know as you're going through these games and you're going to, you're probably going to suffer some pretty substantial losses. I, you know, at least you have a kid in there with some experience who I don't think is going to get shaken from week to week. Like if Rodemaker's in there and they're losing to Notre Dame 45 to 10 next week, that might shake them. You know, but if that happens to Travis, I think he'll go back out, practice hard and play the next week and try to get better. Um, I'm with Charles in the sense that Blackman's done. I will say this, though, if God forbid Travis got hurt in the next game or two, I would let Black, I would put Blackman back in to take the beatings. I would not let my young quarterback take a Clemson beating. I would not let him take a Notre Dame beating. You know, I would let Blackman take those. I would not try to get lose my young quarterback's confidence by having going out there getting rolled up by 40, 50 points. You know, I want to put those guys in situations where they can be successful. I might look at the Virginia game, the Duke game down the road where I can put in packages where I think these kids will be and just build off of that. Like I want them to at the end of the season to have positive, have some positivity to build off of than just getting their asses kicked. Like, I don't think that makes you better. I don't believe losing big men. I don't think it makes you tougher. I think it just gets you used to losing. How about you, Fish? I definitely agree. You know, the one thing I do think Jordan does bring to the table is that with his ability to run as a defense, if that's, you know, we talked about it before. The one thing I feel like Mike Norvell could do as a coach is he's had good running games. 
but he can at least with Jordan open up the running game that guys can't just key on their running backs because I don't think they have the backs to really break off long runs, but Jordan gives them the ability to at least open up some options for them. So the defenses can't just go, all right, we're going to stack the box, force one of these quarterbacks to throw the ball, which is not going to be their strength. Uh, That's my biggest (laughs) fear for them this weekend is Notre Dame's going to go into that game. They're going to stack that box and they're going to go, all right, Jordan, we're not going to let you run. Let's see how you throw. And uh, (laughs) I don't know how that's going to work out. So, Well, like we talked about before, nobody had any film on Jordan Travis as far as for this year. So they're not, they, he wasn't even factoring into the game plan as far as probably what Jacksonville state prepared for him. But trust me, every team moving forward is going to prepare for Jordan Travis Um, defensively, you know, like we talked about before, FSU's problem is they cannot rush a quarterback. In fact, you guys are talking about it offline before we got on the podcast, but for a defensive end, not to have a sack it at Florida state university, it is crazy to me. You know, I just, you would never imagine that. And they don't come with any kind of exotic blitzes. I don't see a lot of stunts or games up front. I think the defense is very soft secondary wise so you, you know, what are you taking away? What do you, how is the defense? And don't, everyone's going to talk about all oh, the talent is in that FSU. Yeah. It, they don't have a bunch of NFL players rolling out there, but I've seen defenses with lesser quote unquote talent, star players play harder and, and also schematically do things that take advantage of what they do well. Right. I just don't I, – I don't. it's a mixed bag right now at Florida State. I don't know what they're doing defensively. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that was kind of disappointing for me on Saturday, if you're – whether – if you're just a football fan, forget fan of a team, is that the effort on that side of the ball. I mean, the one thing you could always count on is guys all you, – you go back and watch the good, good to great FSU team, six, seven guys chasing the ball carrier attack. Like, they look like they're huffing and puffing, running to the guy. It just – it's to it's depressing to watch a team from Florida play like that on defense. I don't care if it's Miami, Florida, Florida State, even UCF when they got defensive guys. The one thing you could count on with Florida guys and Florida defenses is that attacking style. I, I really think as as even if they can't get the pressure from these defensive ends, why not just try to bring a lot of pressure with you know they may have to leave their guys on an island. They got the guys to do it. Absolutely. They got corners that could do it. If if they only have to cover for two or three seconds, you got to sit there and tell those corners, "Hey, listen, we're going to give you two, three seconds, but we're going to bring blitzes." And you know, I don't care if it's a blitz, you know, from a corner blitz. Like I saw one team play last night. I I think it was Arkansas brought a corner blitz, and I mean, the the quarterback didn't even have chance a chance to react, and it was an easy sack and. I think you're going to have to do that. If you can't get pressure with your guys up front, you're going to have to take some chances. They can't just sit back and get no pressure from their front four and think they're going to win games. I mean, they're going to get blown out in every game if they can't get pressure. No doubt. What, what I see is a is a lack of – there's a lack of creativity. And I see players that clearly don't understand what their assignments are. They're not – they're, they've taken away all of their instinct mm-hmm. and they're just out there trying to search for what are we supposed to do? So 
I simplify these things. They don't have a defensive end that can get to a quarterback. So who's their best defensive lineman? It's still Marvin Wilson as far as I'm concerned. You figure out ways to give him positive matchups. Marvin Wilson, if they can get him one-on-one with the tackle, he's going to beat that tackle. I'm not saying you always line him up at end, but you move him around to figure out areas where he has a decided advantage and tell him to just get up the field. And I think that'll work. I think you figure out ways to use Asante Samuel more. He's your best DB. He's already got three interceptions. He had, you know, one of the great things that Rex Ryan did when he had Darrell Revis, and, like, nobody wanted to challenge Darrell Revis, but what his defenses did was they forced teams to go that way by funneling action in that direction. If we can force pretty much your offense to have to go toward – well, whatever side of the field Darrell Revis is on, you're going to have to throw at him sooner or later. And I think that this is where I just think there's just a lack of creativity. They're just out there putting out the same thing week after week and expecting new results to come from it. And it's not happening. I, I mean, I almost think they got to take Gaynor and put him on his hand on the ground on third down and just say, hey, rush the passer. You know, just put him wide and get him up the field where that – that tackle can't get out to him and and let him do so. I, I don't know. You, there's got to be guys on that team, somebody, whether it's Hamza, whether it's uh, the you know Leonard who plays middle linebacker, whether it's Gaynor. One of these guys has to be able to get some pressure on a quarterback. I, I'm not asking him to do it every play, but tab zero tackle or sacks from your defensive end position at a school like Florida State, is it, it's unheard of. I mean, you can't even make that up. You know, that's just how crazy it. I don't think they've ever had a season where they haven't had a defensive end at least have five sacks. They may not have a guy that has two or three. I mean, that's just unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, Not much more to add than that. (laughs) Yep. I think that's a wrap, fellas.